It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Nick Nurse hints at some rotation changes. Could Christian Coloco be back in the mix? And what would that mean for Precious Achua? Also, should maybe Scotty Barnes just be the full-time backup center? Plus, listener questions. We'll get to them on today's episode. Thanks so much for hanging. Let's get to it. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1359 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, March the 14th. Happy birthday to my dear brother. What's going on, buddy? You're not watching this podcast. You don't care about the Raptors at all. Uh, either way, I'm your host, Sean Willie. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. You can follow me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And, of course, we are on YouTube. And, buddy, we are one subscriber away from hitting 3,000 on the YouTube channel. We might have already hit it by the time you see this, but if you have seen this and you have not yet subscribed to the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel and are watching or listening, mosey on over and help us get over that 3,000 subscription level uh, plat- plat- plateau. I don't really know what we're calling it. Either way, I would much appreciate it, and uh, thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the show and supported it to date. And here's to many, many more subscribers in the future as well. Today's show is brought to you by Ibotta, which gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners five bucks just for trying Ibotta by using the code locked on. Sorry, locked, that is, when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app right now and use that promo code locked. All right, on today's show, We're going to dig off the top into the stuff out of practice yesterday. Nick Nurse alluding to some potential changes in role for one particular player in Precious Achua, potentially one other guy coming back into the rotation in Christian Coloco and what that all means, as well as why I kind of think I'd prefer to see something else entirely when it comes to that backup center position. We will get to that. We also got listener questions to get through, a whole lot of them as well. We got some great ones on... Uh, Jakob Pertl's effect on certain players on the team upon his arrival, Jeff Doughton, whether the Raptors should sign him and potentially have to cut somebody else, uh, and the, the, the bench situation as well, as Nick Nurse has very clearly not figured out how to make that bench work just yet. We'll get to all of that. Let's begin, though, with the stuff out of practice yesterday. Nick Nurse alluding to Precious Achua potentially moving back into more of a wing-style role. We've seen the last couple games Precious work a little bit more regularly as a screen-and-dive guy, and it's just not really working right now. And there's lots of reasons for it. I've talked on this show quite a bit about why I think Precious is a little bit more suited to playing the wing. 
mostly it comes down to like processing speed for me. And when Precious Achu is in the middle of the floor, whether it's flashing to the nail in a zone, whether it's working as a short roll guy, working as a typical pick and roll companion for a ball handler, he just doesn't quite make the reads quick enough from a position where the reads have become so much more important to modern basketball. Actually, yesterday on this very topic, Zach Lowe and Adam Mares from Lockdown Nuggets, by the way, uh, were chatting about the, the, the you know the, that sort of very thing, the idea that the short roll big man has become this sort of premium skill in the NBA of late, and it rings completely true. You see with Jakob Pertl how bloody effective he is in that short roll, just kind of making use of space, making the next read when the ball comes to him, connecting plays. With Precious Achua, a lot of the time, the ball's coming to him and the play is dying, whether it's a, sort of a flat floater that, that comes after maybe a little bit too much indecision as he's got the ball in the triple threat position. You've got, you know, just the odd time where he'll just sort of punch the ball out of bounds because he kind of is moving a little bit too fast for his brain to keep up with. Um, you know, he he's just like this athletic marvel he's so just overpowering that you know he's gonna find his way to buckets he's gonna blow by guys in that sort of short close quarters area when he gets the ball at the nail that type of stuff but overall the reason he works better on the wing is he's just not very good at center type things and this was a thing last season that we talked about a ton if precious achua can ever become a center in terms of the skills he brings to the table Boy, oh boy, does that ever change the game when it comes to Vision 6-9 or whatever you want to call it, because uh, he, in theory, could be the guy that unlocks them with those center skills. Clearly, they weren't there this year, for this season at all for him, and that brought them to the point where they had to trade for Yak Pertl to get those skills in the door, and Yak has done a wonderful job with it. The backup center position's been kind of uh, a nightmare ever since. They've been killing it in the minutes with Yak Pertl on the floor and getting absolutely demolished when Yak Pertl hasn't played. The defense, obviously, is very much tied to Yak Pertl whenever it's successful, and they haven't figured out that backup center spot, and Precious Achua just hasn't quite seemed up to it. And again, that's not to say he's a bad player or anything like that. I, you know, it's been a bad season for him, top to bottom, I would say, with some pretty good stuff kind of in the middle. Um, but as far as the skills he brings to the table right now, he's not much of a screener. We've seen the value of Jakob Pertl's screening and what that's done to unlock things for the Raptors offense. Um, you know, he's not a very good target as a role man, right? Like he, he just doesn't present himself the way Yaka Pertle does, where he's constantly angling his body towards the ball, finding the, you know, the, the easy passing lanes for guys to hit him in those spots where he can keep those possessions alive, whether going to score himself or finding the next guy, finding a cutter on down the line. And Precious just doesn't do that right now. It's just not a thing in his wheelhouse. When you come to when it comes to the defense as well, as good as Precious has been as far as just like his raw numbers of defending at the rim, He's not a tradi- traditional drop big man because he is, you know, he's not that tall. Like, right? You need to have some length to properly manage the drop so you can both affect shots that might go up from the mid range and also be able to get back and defend the rim. And he just doesn't really offer that because he's not big enough. And really, his best skill is multi-positional, switching defense, on the wing, guarding smaller players, guarding quick wings. He can do that all wonderfully. And so moving him to more of a bench, sort of sort of a wing role as opposed to playing center, I think is a very smart idea. He's just, he's a lot better at that stuff. And not to mention, it takes advantage of his best offensive skill, which is just putting it on the deck and getting into the teeth of the defense you know, I've kind of compared him in the past to like a big Norm Powell when it comes to the way he can potentially grow into the type of guy who can exploit tilted defenses with that first step, with his, with his ability to get downhill. 
you know, he's going to have to improve the finishing. He's going to have to improve a lot of the stuff he does offensively. And the three-point shot, obviously, badly needs to bounce back to something in between where he is now and where he was to close last year. If he can come in around a 35, 36 three-point shooter sometime in the future, that's massive for him and makes him a viable wing option for this team. Right now, he's not cutting it at center. I might even say that he's not going to cut it offensively as a wing as it stands right now because the three-point shooting has been so dire. But if you're going to bring other guys into the rotation, maybe there's a potential for him to kind of get squeezed out. I don't think I'd love that necessarily because his defense is so valuable, but he's not played super effectively of late. And maybe if you're trying to maximize wins down the stretch, you are making maybe looking at some tough rotation decisions. Not to say that Precious won't be in the future plans because he very well could be. Just maybe this season, it's a little bit of a lost cause considering how things have gone and considering what the Raptors badly need right now. That leads to Christian Coloco, who has been playing quite well, especially in the defensive end down with Raptors 905. It's been a ton of fun to watch. I saw him in person uh, when I was down in Detroit to catch the the weekend games in Detroit and Cleveland. I caught the 905 game that was in Detroit the same day as the Pistons game. That was really great. You know, he had a nice performance. He's throwing cool passes. He's having a good time. And he looks like a traditional excellent rim protector type. And the Raptors' numbers this season with Christian Coloco on the floor have been ridiculous. They've been outstanding. There, I think, uh, I had the number in front of me and I lost it. But about 12 points, uh, 12.3 points, I believe, uh, points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor. All season long, when the Raptors have had a traditional seven-footer as their backline line of defense, the Raptors have turned in ridiculous defensive numbers, whether it's Jakob Pertl or Christian Coloco in his 600-ish or so minutes. Um, and so maybe it's worth trying. The Raptors stink on offense, right? And Christian Coloco is not going to help that. But maybe that's beyond help. Maybe the Raptors, who right now, as our pal Eric Kareen pointed out, are tied for dead last in the NBA in effective field goal percentage with the Charlotte Hornets and the Houston Rockets. Maybe the offense is just a lost cause and is not going to find its way this season. And so to maximize what you have, you just lean fully into defending like maniacs, which the Raptors have done pretty effectively for the most part since Jakob Pertl's arrival. Christian Coloco maybe helps you do that and can be that that sort of, you know, backup center who comes in. You have, you know, Will Barton, as, as Nick Nurse noted, he's basically the backup point guard now. Uh, you got Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher. Maybe you throw in a Scotty Barnes or an OG Ananobi in those looks. Um, you know, we'll talk about the sort of bench staggering in a little bit as well. But um, I think there's something potentially there with Christian Coloco as your backup center where you just want to lean fully into length and defense and causing havoc around the rim, forcing turnovers, that type of stuff. Maybe Coloco can help you with that in a way that Precious hasn't. I still don't know if that's necessarily my top choice, though, because there's another guy on the team who plays a mean center, who hasn't really played much center since Jakob Pertl arrived, who maybe, just maybe, there's an opportunity to get him back into that role. And that is Scotty Barnes. We're going to get into that in just one second and why I think Scotty Barnes should maybe actually just be the backup center for the rest of the season. We will do that momentarily. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about a brand new sponsor for our show and for our network. It is Ibotta Groceries, School Shopping, Getting a Little Something for Yourself. All of it costs money, and you know you're already going to do it. It's stuff you got to pay. Gas also counts as this, just stuff that's part of the cost of day-to-day living. 
So why not get a little cash back for it with Ibotta? You can earn cash back from every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire grocery trip or, you know, pay for a couple of tanks of gas Whatever it might be, it all really helps, especially as the rising price of groceries continues to seemingly never stop. A typical basket of groceries is over 50 bucks more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. You can earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more, depending on how much you use Ibotta. So go check him out. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners five bucks just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, with Ibotta. Go check him out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the rotational conundrum that seems to be facing the Toronto Raptors at the moment. Of course, their bench has been hot ass for the last uh, little while, just kind of the minutes in which uh, the, the starters aren't playing. They're getting run off the floor these last couple of games. They've had some moments. There have been some flourishes of bench looks. There's been that Scotty, Barton, uh, Trent, Precious and Boucher look that's had some moments of success and some moments of not looking so hot um, and a lot of other in-between lineups that have just been bizarre. A lot of Thad Young looks when maybe Thad Young just isn't really offering a whole lot right now. Um, and so there, I think it's right for Nick Nurse to be reconsidering the rotation right now and sort of who's going to come in. We mentioned Christian Coloco as sort of the leading candidate, it seems, to be the backup center. But let me just uh, make a little modest proposal. What if Scotty Barnes is just the backup center for the rest of the season. He was excellent. In fact, the best he's been all season in January when his main role was, you're the screen and dive guy. You're going to be our center offensively. You are going to set screens. You're going to roll into that nail area. You're going to make things happen on the short roll. You're going to hit cutters. You're going to you know, just kind of use your incredible floor surveying abilities from that spot where you can optimize those skills and it worked out wonderfully. He was, again, as good as he's been all season long, maybe as good as he's ever looked in the NBA in now two seasons. He was quite good to close last season, of course, balling his hands a little bit more often, working off of Pascal Siakam. But when it comes to this year, the best we've seen from Scotty, the, the month where it was all coming together for him was January, where he was basically a full-time center in the Raptors' core lineups. And I wonder if maybe that's the way to go here. You could even... Keep the same bench players you've been using, by and large, and just sort of realign how those lineups work, right? You could go with the Will Barton, Gary Trent Jr., Precious, Boucher, Scotty Barnes look, but just kind of reorient how it looks specifically on the offensive end, where 
You have Boucher, Precious, Trent as your sort of spacers, your wings, who occupy the corners, who will make you know 45 cuts, that type of stuff. You have Will Barton as your lead point guard. And look, he's not exactly like a traditional point guard. He's more of a gunner, sort of cast in the role of point guard. He's had point guard flourishes in the past, of course. He's not like he's, he, he can't do that. He can certainly handle the ball, start the offense, that type of stuff. He did it with the Nuggets plenty, especially when Jamal Murray was out for a long time with injury. And so, you know, there's a pathway here to, I think, you know, that sort of Barton, Scotty Barnes pick and roll being your core offensive set in those second units if you want to keep those same players. You could also totally shake it up and have Scotty be your center, bring in a, a Pascal to play point guard, put an OG stagger him in between with a Trent and a Boucher or something like that, or even a Barton. Um, you know, there's all sorts of different combinations. Basically, any combination of Scotty Barnes as a center with a ball handler and then three relative spacers to put in between I think can work as those second looks and again Scotty Barnes is going to get a chance to work on that sort of that skill set again more regularly in addition to all the stuff he's getting to do more as a sort of a wing creator in the Raptors starting lineup now and I think if you want to kind of diversify the development you're getting from Scotty Barnes while also just optimizing your team for right now to win as many games between now and the end of the season as you can then I think Scotty Barnes is a perfectly viable backup center option. And this, I guess, comes to the question of what are the Raptors' real intentions here? You look at the standings, they are one game up on the Washington Wizards, who are outside the play-in in the 11th spot right now. The Pacers lost last night, they're 31-38, and 38. Uh, so two games in the loss column uh, the Raptors have on them. But, like... This might actually tell us here what the Raptors' intentions are for the rest of the season. It seemed as though you trade for Yakapurtle, we're going to fight for the plane and do the thing. Maybe things have been so meh since Yakapurtle arrived in terms of the overall performance and results, despite eye test-wise looking like a much more coherent basketball team. If they're going to play Christian Coloco more extended run, give him 12-15 minutes off the bench as your backup center when Yakapurtle sits... Maybe that hints at more of a developmental look at the final 14 games here. Maybe that hints at the Raptors saying, you know what, the play-in would have been nice. We had a shot there for a hot second to maybe move up to six, thinking the Nets were going to fall down. The Nets have picked up some wins here that has made that pretty unrealistic. I think basically impossible right now. Like I think there's seven games out of the sixth seed right now. That's not happening. And so... Maybe it's a pivot towards that, you know what, we can still gather information about our guys, but we can also play our more developmental pieces a little bit more time here, and maybe that signals the direction here. If they're trying to win games, I think it's indisputable. Scotty Barnes as your backup center makes a lot more sense than Christian Coloco playing as your backup center, a guy who's pretty raw offensively, still is not really going to contribute a ton on that end outside of offensive boards and putbacks. Um, you know, Scotty Barnes just does more to make that second unit more dynamic offensively, especially if he's playing center. It eliminates the sort of, um, you know, potentially the Gary Trent Jr. heaviness of those second looks where he's just kind of commandeered things. If you can have him work off ball, uh, you know, run some stuff for him as like a, as a guy who can benefit from Scotty Barnes as a short role man. Maybe that's a, a way to kind of milk more of those out of those second units. But, um, you know, it's going to be, I think, a pretty indicative decision one way or another by the Raptors here. And, and look, Scotty Barnes has been bloody good as, as a role man. It should be noted. 1.36 point per possessions, points per possession as a role man this season. That's in the 88th percentile of the NBA. 
that's a way to try to milk more out of the offense here. And again, this is, I think, kind of the question of you know, the defense is going to struggle, certainly, if you have Scotty Barnes as your nominal center. Uh, he's been better, obviously, this season as a rim protector than he has been as a, like a perimeter defense guy. And so maybe you're trying to maximize him there a little bit. Uh, I think he's just generally better as just sort of like a roaming helper type. And so maybe you try to get Precious or Boucher to kind of be your nominal center. But neither of those guys have proven they can really do that as like a full-time gig. Um, so you're certainly compromising defense if you're going to make Scotty your full-time backup center in role. But he's been really bloody good scoring in that in those spots, and you might limit some of those offensive lulls that you get when you bring bench guys uh, into, the, into the game. Maybe that's a way to do it. There's also, you know, some interesting ways to try to stagger in multiple starters. And I think that's where I will lean into some questions here because we have a lot of good questions. Uh, not going to have time to get to all of them on today's show, probably, as I went longer on this topic than I thought I was going to. But uh, let's get uh, this question in from at the main event 2K, kind of tied to all this. The bench is so bad. Why can't Nurse just stagger the minutes to fit Gary, Precious, Boucher, and hopefully Coloco in with three to four starters at all times? Buddy, I would be thrilled with just two starters at all times. You know, they're rolling with these Scotty and bench looks. And again, they've had, like, on paper, they've had success. They look a little bit less potent than they have been, I think, in practice. And over the long haul, I feel like they're more likely to have runs like they did against the Lakers, where they lost that game essentially for the Raptors on Friday, than their runs where that's looked pretty good, say, against the Wizards those couple times out. And so, yeah, give me two starters. It doesn't have to be that complex, right? Like, it, they, they have five starters who are all core players. They also have Gary Trent Jr., who's like a, a sixth starter type. There's no reason two of those guys can't be on the floor at all times. There's no reason really three can't be if you want to try to spread things out they can limit the minutes. They can, you know, give guys longer spells of rest, maybe change the spots you give guys rest. But, you know, there's no reason that you can't have, you know, Barnes work off the bench with OG uh, as sort of a, a wing secondary creator and also uh, a guy who's going to work and, and, again, benefit if you have Scotty in the short roll spot. That's a, a spot where OG can feast, right? Scotty has so much... I think threat as a guy who can score from that sort of mid-range short floater range that type of stuff he draws defenses to him that opens up the backdoor cuts that OG is so bloody good at there's plenty of stuff you can run there to keep the offense moving and uh, get multiple starters on the floor together so that's one way you could do it you could also run you know Barnes Siakam sorry Barnes as the center with Fred as your point guard you know, that's a pretty dynamic offering. You have the pull-up shooting from Fred. You have Barnes as your screener with those second units. You can sprinkle in whomever you want alongside them, whether it's Precious, Boucher, Trent, Barton, all on down the line, even if you want to go even deeper and, you know, find some, uh, you know, Jeff Doughton minutes or something like that if uh, they were to bring him back up. Although, as Nick Nurse noted yesterday, he's only got seven games of availability, availability left, so they're going to save it, I think, for the last stretch of the season. Either way. There are ways to do this. There are ways to get more than two starters or more than one starter on the floor at all times. The Raptors have the players to do it. They're healthy. They're not sitting here with three guys on the bench uh, with injury where they're trying to, you know, piece together these sort of piecemeal lineups. It's just not the way it is right now, but it's the way they're operating, and it can be very frustrating. You know, I think you can see those Siakam-Pirtle 
pick and rolls, which we haven't seen a ton of, but have been pretty impressive and, and effective, I think, in small doses um, and offer a very different look to a Fred P- uh, Pirtle pick and roll because of the, the downhill threat that Siakam presents. Same with a Barnes Pirtle pick and roll. There's all these duos that can work with the complementary skills that can work. It's just a matter of finding the rotations to make it work. And we've been just like throwing these complaints out all season long. It's been pretty maddening that we haven't seen some sort of rotational stasis come together for this Raptors team. Maybe this last 14 game stretch is the last time to do it. It definitely is the last chance to do it, but maybe they finally figure it out here. (sighs) I wish I had belief in it because it seems like every time there's two or three games of, Hey, that's a pretty reasonable bench. Look, Hey, this rotation makes sense. The whole playbook gets scrapped and Nick nurse outfoxes himself and all that. And it's, uh, it's bloody frustrating. So we'll see. I would expect we'll see some Coloco uh, tonight against the uh, Denver Nuggets. Although against the Nuggets, I mean, if you're going up against those Jokic, Jokic-less lineups where the Nuggets have really struggled, you can get away with Scotty Barnes playing center in those groups. You can get away with Scotty Barnes going up against Thomas Bryant. There's no reason you can't. Um, so maybe we'll see some Scotty Barnes at center as well. That'd be nice. I, you know, there was no hint, hinting or inklings of that from Nick Nurse, but uh, maybe, just maybe. He'll be on the same page as me. That'd be cool. Uh, We're going to come back on the other side, get into a few more listener questions for you to round out this here show and send you off into Raptors Nuggets 2.0, which, uh, man, a week ago, we were just glowing about how well the Raptors played against the Nuggets, and all of it seems to have come crashing down ever since. Uh, But let's get to it here. Tell you about our friends over at FanDuel who are the number one sports book in North America. The midway point of the NBA, se- NBA season is well past. We're deep into the stretch run now, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers to three-pointers drained, and FanDuel lets you combine your bets for the chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. That, to me, is the way to do it, baby. I, again, am not much of a sports wagerer myself. When I do dabble, it's usually when I'm at a game in person and I want to juice up the live experience, have some fun, having a beer or two, going and having the same game parlay as a thing to watch throughout the game and root for. That's always a good time. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first up, first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets, but you can go to FanDuel.com. Slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and of Locked On. Please play responsibly. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Rounding out the show with your listener questions as we uh, get set for Raptors Nuggets 2.0 tonight. A game I'm really excited for. Just I know the Raptors have not really engendered a whole lot of excitement, but uh, they have been... Uh, like again, objectively better as, as like a watch since Pirtle arrived, and against the Nuggets, they always perform well. We get might get to see OG go 
uh, Hulk mode on Nicole Jokic again. That's always fun. Um, you know, they really, I thought, there's a fun tactical element to this Raptors-Nugget matchup, which we're not going to get to see beyond this. Obviously, these teams are not destined to play each other in the NBA Finals or anything like that, but it's always a fun tactical watch as the Raptors and Nuggets kind of duel it out. The Raptors were their uh, really, really bad offense that has some stuff that can kind of exploit what the Nuggets don't do very well defensively. Uh, and the Raptors defense, which has shown capable of at least giving Nikola Jokic some trouble, which it's a very hard thing to do to give Nikola Jokic trouble. The Nuggets have also lost a few games in a row here as well, not playing their best ball. So we will see. Uh, let's get to a couple more questions, though, shall we? Uh, this one here comes from Certified Hater asking, how does Jakob's introduction have any effect on Precious's role? Heard that mention a while back, but didn't understand since I thought they played different times. And yeah, I mean, they're not really sharing the floor all that much. I do think, though, that just with 28 minutes of game time, 30 minutes of game time being consumed by Jakob Pertl playing center, that just limits the amount of center time there is for Precious Achua to play. Um, you know, he was playing a little bit more regularly as sort of a five in some of these lineups for the Raptors before Pirtle arrived. And yeah, I think it's it doesn't really have like a direct effect, right? I think it's more Precious's play is what's affected his role or what will affect his role going forward, as Nick Nurse kind of alluded to. Um, but I also think it just kind of illuminates. Jakob Pertl arrives. He's doing all of these center things so beautifully. It almost just like by comparison makes Precious Achua look like a worse center just because he doesn't do the stuff that Yak does. He doesn't have the elbow passing or the screening or the rim protection that, that Jakob Pertl does. And it's almost just like a, a realization of, oh, we thought this guy was a center? No, no, no. This guy's a center. And maybe that's just kind of changed the way the team looks at Precious. I, I'm not sure. But yeah, I don't know if necessarily Yak's arrival impacts Precious's role all that much as much as it just kind of illuminates that Precious is not cut out for that role in a way that maybe we thought he could be when he was kind of the only game in town when it came to centers outside of Scotty Barnes, of course. But uh, it's a good question nonetheless. Let's get to this next one here. This one comes from uh, Blue Steel asking... I'd have thought while listening to Raptors Over Everything that I was on, by the way, I was on Raptors Over Everything last week with Amit, go check it out, uh, might be completely stupid, but what if you take Pascal out of the starters? That way you have the possibility to draw plays with the second unit to create the space that Pascal was used to before the arrival of Yak. Uh, that is, a, I got the question cut off here by a character limit as well, so my apologies there. Um, but yeah, very good question from Blue Steel. I don't think it's feasible. <laughs> like, it's, uh, you know, I'm glad the question's there. It's worth asking, logically speaking, I suppose. But you're not benching Pascal Siakam. It's just not happening. He's your best player. He's an All-NBA player who's fighting to make All-NBA to secure a larger bag for his future. It feels like it'd be a pretty tough sell to be like, yeah, Pascal, you want to just, like, come off the bench and play 28 minutes a game? That's not happening. As much as the spacing might make more sense, I think you gotta... The more important thing right now is to figure out can you make the spacing work with Yak and Barnes and Siakam together? Getting that proof of concept is way more important than maybe making Pascal's life a little easier by playing him on the bench with a little bit more space around him. Um, not to mention, again, like the politics of this isn't 2K as much as it'd be easier if things were 2K all the time. Uh, you're just not benching Pascal Siakam. It's just it's, you would not be able to sell that, I think, to really anybody, frankly, um, not just Pascal, but the rest of the team who has you know, constantly looked up to Pascal as the best player on the team. That feels like a weird call to try to make. 
Um, and yeah, I just think it's way more important to try to figure out how this works with Pascal, Scotty, and Yak. And the answer might be that it doesn't. And that's valid and important information as well to guide what happens in the offseason. Um, so yeah, I don't think that's uh, really a starter for me. But uh, good question nonetheless. Thank you for sending it in, Blue Steel. Let's get to this last one here from Suzanne Parr asking, I'd like to see us run it back with Fre- Pascal and Fred as leaders. We gave Kyle DeMar years to figure out the best way to lead. Do you think management will have the same patience with these two? This is kind of the question that's going to dominate the entire offseason, I think. Obviously, Fred's a free agent. He's got a little bit of more agency as to what happens for him next season as opposed to Pascal. That said, I think Fred of the two might be honestly the most likely to be on the team next season, just because his skill set is a premium and the Raptors don't have any other access to said skill set, barring some jump in the draft to get Scoot Henderson or something like that, which is probably not going to happen because of probabilities. And so, yeah, I, I, I think this is ultimately, I think comes down to honestly, like a fandom philosophy type of thing, right? Some people are title or bust. You got to be building a contender. or You're not building anything at all. It's not how I view the game. That's not how I subscribe to things. I don't think that's really based in much reality or realism as far as like team building paths go. It's great to say we're going to go contender or bust, but it's really bloody hard to build a contender. And I think you got to walk before you can run. You got to build a good team first. And we've seen the Raptors do this in the past. I mentioned it a bazillion times, but I'll keep on mentioning it when this stuff comes up. The Raptors spent the last decade building slowly, incrementally, dealing with ups and downs, dealing with disappointments. And instead of responding to said disappointments with large-scale changes, they tinkered on the margins and they gave things time to grow and germinate. And eventually, it led to the point where the team was good enough to win 60 games and still not win in a playoff series against the, the freaking LeBron James Cavs, but they were in the position where they could pivot into a superstar trade for Kawhi Leonard. I think that has to be the path here. I think we've kind of learned by them trading their first round pick next season, that's the path they envisioned for themselves here as well. And personally, I'd be all for running it back with those guys. Again, I know some people will say that's stupid. They've proven they can't be the best players on a championship team. I'm not saying they can be. I don't think they can be the best players on a championship team. I've said this a lot. Pascal Siakam's incredible. There are only like seven guys in the entire world who can lead a team to instant contention. He's not one of them. That's not a a slight against Pascal. It's just reality. And to build your team around the, the concept of contention, like instant automatic title contention, you can win a championship with these players. It's just you're painting yourself into a team building corner where you really the only pathway to do that is to tank out and ruin multiple seasons of fandom and make your team a miserable watch to hopefully maybe one day grab a guy in the draft who can be one of those top seven players in the NBA. The Raptors probably don't have one of those guys in the roster. Scotty Barnes is probably the closest thing to someone who could become that someday. You may your mileage may vary on what you think is likely there, but do I think Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet can be the best players on a good team? Absolutely, I can. They have been. <laughs> like They won 48 games last season. They were the two best players. Scotty Barnes' emergence was massive as well. But like they can be a good team. They can be a team that builds upon what they've already built. But... You know, and I think like the history suggests that the Raptors will be patient and will probably want to run this back with both of those guys. The flip side is, is there's also evidence and past history of the Raptors making big time bold moves when it feels like they're kind of stuck at a at an inflection point. They did it with DeMar DeRozan and firing Dwayne Casey after the 2017-18 season, and they got Kawhi Leonard out of it. Great. 
Uh, is there a player out there who you're going to trade one of, pa- like, I guess Pascal will be the guy to trade Pascal for a guy who's going to take you to that, 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 that next level. I doubt it. Uh, it, it seems like that DeMar for Kawhi thing was the product of a very specific set of circumstances that doesn't seem super replicable, just considering all the context there. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think they're at that point right now where they are in mode to go trade for the next superstar who's going to carry them to the next tier of, of NBA contention. I think they probably do have to run this thing back. I, I don't think it's that inflection point that we saw at the end of 2017-18, where five years in, they had exhausted everything. They lost three straight times to LeBron. It just seemed like they were never going to get over the hump. We have no idea whether this team can get get over the hump or not. They haven't had nearly as much runway as those DeMar Kyle teams did. I think it's worth noting, Pascal Siakam right now is a better player than DeMar DeRozan ever was in a Toronto Raptors uniform, full stop. The two-way play, the playmaking, the shooting, uh, all of it, it's better than what DeMar DeRozan brought. He's a better overall player. He's an all-NBA player. He's really fantastic. Trade that dude at your own peril and set yourself up for some years of pain if you do so and do it wrong and don't have the sort of roster rebalancing coupled with the growth of Scotty Barnes that you hope to see to carry you to your next level. And so it's a tough call, right? Like, I would not be surprised if they look at trading Pascal this offseason. Would, like, wouldn't be surprised at all if that's on the table considering the track record. Personally, I wouldn't do it, but that's just me. And again, I I can fully admit that I'm Pascal-pilled, and I'm emotionally invested in Pascal to a degree that maybe some others aren't, and so it clouds my judgment. But ultimately, he's a really bloody good player, and as much as the fits looked off in the 14 or 12 games since Yaka Pirtle arrived, he's shown a capacity to improve and expand upon things and, and figure out his, his, his spots and get more comfortable and adapt. He's been a very, adap- excuse me, a very adaptable player. And so, yeah, I, I think we'll likely see management have the same patience that they had with Kyle and Damara, with Fred and Pascal. But I also think, you know, the Scotty Barnes of it all and his potential upward mobility as a player, all of that, it does throw a bit of a, a wrench into the conversation. Not to mention the fit being weird. That's certainly something to consider. We'll see. But I think uh, it's more likely than not they'll, they'll opt patience just because that's what their track record mostly suggests they'll do unless they're really backed into a corner where the last move is to uh, trade a beloved franchise icon to try to mix up the mix up the mix. So we'll wrap it there. Thank you for the lovely questions. Thanks to those who sent them in that I didn't get to as well. We will uh, cover those. We'll talk about Jeff Doughton. Uh, our, our friend uh, Charlemagne sent in a question about Jeff Doughton that I won't get to, but I will probably talk about Jeff Doughton as the roster crunch decision comes closer. As you know, maybe they try to convert him to a two way or sorry, a one way. All of that. We'll get to that another day. For now, thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you again on Wednesday. Breaking down Raptors Nuggets 2.0. Should be a lot of fun. And then later on in the week, Katie Heindel is going to pop on on Thursday. Vivek Jacob back on Friday. And then we probably will reset to our usual Monday, Wednesday uh, setup for Katie and Vivek uh, next week. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Please go subscribe, follow, rate, review, wherever you get your podcast. It's always super appreciated when you do that. And you can go now listen to Locked on Leafs. Make it your second listen of the day as the buds are very good and are pushing towards the playoffs, a very dramatic and important playoffs for the franchise. Go check out Locked on Leafs with Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti as they guide you through each and every day what the buds are up to. With that, we'll leave you there. Talk to you again Wednesday. Enjoy Raptors Nuggets. Bye-bye.
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.